Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Baggies Broadcast Season 4, Episode 19. It's not just me on my own this time. I am delighted to welcome back the one, the only, the main Albion man at the Express and Star, Mr. Joe Massey. Joe, first things first, how are you feeling, mate? Um, I'm feeling all right, mate. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's been ages, hasn't it? It's been absolutely ages. It has. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think everyone knows really. Might as well just say it from the off. The reason why I've been off for so long is because we had, our oh, fact, we got COVID. Mm, COVID uh, invaded the Massey household. COVID invaded the Massey household. Me, my wife, um, my little girl and my little boy, we all tested positive. Um, for it um my little girl like a little trooper she's been asymptomatic so she's done really well um and then yeah me my wife and and my little boy have been poorly with it nothing too serious has to be said it hasn't been pleasant um it's a horrible virus but i've got to say that obviously i'm conscious there'll be people who listen to this who had it much much worse than we did and and may, maybe even sort of maybe even have lost people from it so um <clears throat> I, I appreciate that so it was it, it, it's not been it's not been great but yeah it's it, it definitely could have been an awful lot worse yeah and 100 percent echo those sentiments anyone listening who's i know I, I think all of us have been affected in some some way or somehow by it obviously our thoughts go out to those who have lost um loved ones or are, are really struggling with it because it is horrible you wouldn't wish it on anyone would you i mean you've been locked out of games I mean, pr- probably for the better. Well, it's funny you should say that, isn't it? Because we had this thing. Some, I mean, there's been a lot of people on Twitter who absolutely couldn't wait to tell me I was I was a jinx and this, that, and the other, simply <laughs> because um, I missed the Wolves game. Um, <clears throat> and uh, obviously, one of the one of the only the only two games I've been have won this season because I don't really count Harrogate if we're being honest. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! That was a proper game, mate. <laughs> You got to hold on to the little things this season. It, it was, but if we're counting that, we really are clutching at straws, aren't we? So, <laughs> um, yeah. So there was a, loads of people very excited uh, when I wasn't able to attend a few games, and um, I have to say that without me, um, Albion's record has been dreadful. Now, let's be honest; it hasn't been great with me this season. Um, but I think it's fair to say it's been worse without me. <laughs> I mean, it's, let's just say indifferent. Let's just say indifferent. Without you, I don't. I don't think your presence anymore has a has a real effect on on the side, um, and well, mine clear, mine the, clearly doesn't. I think the problems definitely lie above me. I think there's more 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 going wrong here than just my presence. I got to say, I must uh, admit, I think when the Albion players came out among you, they looked across at the press seats and they saw I was there, and they're like, "We've got to put on a show today." Spurs, they were they looked over, they saw me, and they said, "Oh, this lad's seen what we can do. We don't need to put that kind of show on again." <laughs> <laughs> a little Dread. birdie tells me that you're you're even considering uh, looking to jump ship back to Walsall. I'm I'm hearing you could be you could be a, a, a another team's game this week. That's right, mate. That is right. My <sighs> first game back out of isolation is not going to be an Albion game. Oh, uh, mate. I mean that is. I mean I know Albion aren't doing well, mate. But you're dropping to League Two. <laughs> Um, yeah, but Walsall tomorrow night. Our Walsall reporter Liam Keane, who filled in for me a couple of times, actually. Uh, I mean, let's say he, that boy's the jinx. He covered two games: West Brom nil, Man City five, um, and Sheffield United two, West Brom one. So, I mean, they were shockers, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Uh, they weren't great. So, 
but yeah, he's off tomorrow. So I'm I'm uh, doing Walsall Mansfield. Looking forward to it, mate. I mean, for starters, I haven't been at a game for absolutely forever. It feels like, mm. um, and um, yeah, it's like I, I loved covering Walsall, mate. I love the Sutlers. I for many very happy years covering them. So I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, blimey, you might see a win. <clears throat> might see a win. <laughs> You never know, mate. You never know. It's been a long old time, mate. It's been a long old time. When was when the last? Was... When was the last win you attended? Well, that's what. That's what, it was. Sheffield United at home, wasn't it? It was November. Oh, mate. We're November. a whole new year. Um. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long old time. Oh so, dear yeah. me. Everyone, get behind the saddlers tomorrow for my sake. I need some. <laughs> I need something positive to write about. Uh, I mean, one thing that wasn't positive. Uh, we're kind of shifting on to the game. Spurs 2, Albion 0. Uh, you weren't there. You were watching from home. Uh, but I don't think it came across much prettier on the screen than it did for me in the flesh. Although, they showed some fight. There was there was some resolute defending, particularly first half. But at the end of the day, it's just another defeat when, when results are paramount now. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, should I just start off on my an epic Albion run, which rather I'm gonna than time just, it. I'm gonna time it. Rather than just shoehorn like you ask me different questions and I just say everything I wanna say spread out over the next twenty minutes. I might as well just go off on one and say everything I wanna say, hadn't I? Do it, um, mate. So the first thing I wanna say is about covering games at home, which is that you get sort of swayed by um what what the commentator says and what the pundits say. Mm. So, I if you remember like about the Liverpool, the Liverpool game um, when everyone turned around and was saying, "Oh my god, that first half was like a defensive masterclass," and I was sat there scratching my head, going, "This is absolutely shocking." Yeah, like, Albion have been dreadful here. Um, like they're just incredibly unfortunate to be level at half time. This is not good play. This is fortune on another day. Salah's scoring, Firmino scoring, or whatever. I can't remember if Firmino's playing, but they're gonna they're gonna score goals and win that game. I mean, Allison might have scored in that first half. <laughs> Allison could. Alli- did you watch that game yesterday? Oh mate, and they say he can play in midfield like Edison. He literally lost the ability to kick. It was. I've never bizarre. seen anything like it. It was absolutely bizarre, wasn't it? The second one where he gives the ball away, he genuinely just passes the ball to to was it Phil Foden? I think so. He passes to him and then he like lifts his arms up in the air like, what What else am I meant to do? It's like, mate, mate, you could kick it long. It was so weird. It was like the ball had become like like a rock of lava or something, didn't it? It's like he couldn't handle it at all. It's sweet. <laughs> it, was, for, it was absolutely bizarre. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, um, what I want to say is at half time, you listen to the commentators and, um, and then the, it's Rio Ferdinand and someone, the presenter for BT Sport talking and Every single one of them, Glenn Oddle, whoever else was co-commentating, and Ray Ferdinand said, Sam Allardyce will be delighted with how his team's defended that that first half. <clears throat> and do you know what? I sort of stole that from my tweet, It was from my halftime sort of roundup. It was sort of a bit subconscious. Mm. Like I was like, they're saying it, Albion are level. But in my heart of hearts, did I really believe that? I don't think I did, really. I mean, like, all, due, all due respect, <clears throat> Harry Kane has two golden chances. That's Two golden start. chances, and and it's Harry Kane. I mean, you can't. Exp- I think every, every Premier League striker you have to accept if you give him one chance, will score one goal. 
with Harry Kane, you're sort of expecting to score three goals from two chances, don't you? Like, yeah, like he takes half chances on a regular basis. So that was incredibly fortunate, really, um, to go in half time nil nil. If Harry Kane, if we play that game in three weeks' time, Harry Kane's got three, four, five more games under his bow. He takes both of those chances probably, mm. and I'll be the two nil down, and it's all redundant. So. <clears throat> Did they defend well in the first half? Yeah, they did all right. Like, they did do all right. They restricted Spurs to two opportunities, really. Two real opportunities. Johnson did make a good save from Serge Aurier, actually. Um, and then, and then, yeah, the inevitable happened, really. And what what I'm really, really struggling with, um, this, is what I, this is one of my points, really, I want to make. Um, mm. <clears throat> What I'm really, really, really struggling with is the lack of possession Albion are having of the ball. Um, I just cannot get my head around it. I know that like possession can be a bit of a strange statistic. I know that if you've got 60% possession, whatever, you don't. that doesn't mean you're going to win the game. I know it's what you do with the ball that counts. It's no good just playing a back four and then passing it amongst themselves for 90 minutes. I, I completely understand that. But if you have the ball, you don't concede. And mm. uh, and my issue is, it doesn't matter if you're Sheffield United at the bottom of the table or you're Manchester City at the top of it. If you are a Premier League team, you have got good, good footballers. Good footballers. And if you are going to concede the amount of possession that Albion are going to concede, you are going to let... The opposition will create chances. They just will. And because they're Premier League players it's highly, highly likely they will take those chances. Mm-hmm. It, to me, these defeats, these games seem inevitable. Like You look at the percentage stats for the last four games, five games, right? Against Spurs, Albion had 31% possession. Against Sheffield United, they had 32% possession. That's the one that really rankles me. Mm-hmm. They're bottom of the league. Like, they've barely won a game all season why are they having 68 percent of the ball it's it i just don't understand it at mm. fulham another team in the relegation zone albion had 37 percent possession 37 percent manchester city all right it's man city fair enough they had 22 percent of the ball i'm almost willing to like let that one go yeah because it's man city and they're playing on another level at the minute Against West Ham, they had 41% of the ball. I haven't gone back and checked all the 10 games Allardyce has been in charge, but I actually think that West Ham game was their highest possession-based stat, 41%. And they actually played all right at West Ham. They, that, was, that was probably their best performance um, in that run of five games, even though they got a draw against Fulham and they lost at West Ham. West Ham was probably their best performance. And watching them just sit back, regroup, defend, defend, defend from essentially the first minute to the last is just so demoralising. And and what I don't understand is why Sam Allardyce thinks he's going to go somewhere and nick a 1-0. We have conceded 54 goals this season. He's and, and in his 10 games in charge, we've conceded 28 goals. That's, as everyone will know now, that stat that did the rounds of Opta, that is the joint worst from any team in the first 10 games under a new manager in the Premier League. Yeah. What? We are, 
we are not going to win a game 1-0 at this moment in time. And we are not going to win a game if we just sit back and essentially just say to the opposition, you have got 90 minutes to try and break us down. They, they just will score. They just will. And, and I'm sorry, but it's been proven because Sheffield United scored two. And they're the worst team in the league so far. Yeah. Did you really think against Spurs, eventually, the magic of Harry Kane, Song Hun Min, Lucas Moura, who else? Eric Lamella, whatever. Did you, and Dombele, did they really think they're not going to score in 90 minutes? I just, I just don't understand it. And yes, there's these like weird moments in games where, like, for example... Like we we led at Sheffield United, didn't we? We went one nil up at Sheffield United. Yeah. But but let's be honest, Sheffield United were the better team in that first half. Yeah. When they yeah. when when they turned it round and made it two one, they thoroughly deserved to be ahead. There's if you, if you don't think that, then I'm sorry. I just I I just do not agree at all. Against Fulham, Fulham were the better team. Did did we go two one up against Fulham? We did, didn't we? We were yeah, atrocious yeah, first half. Could have been four nil down. Fulham going one nil, one nil up. They should have been out of sight. We came back in, into it two one somehow, in some way, shape or form. They go on and draw two two, but I don't think there's anyone watching that game who would think who would walk away from it going, do you know what? Albion were the better team in that game. Albion with a better side. And Sam Allardyce keeps pointing to these things. He keeps saying, but oh, like we got ahead against Sheffield United. We got ahead against Fulham. We've let those wins slip through our hands. And I'm just like, I don't think those wins have slipped through your hands. I think I think the opposition got what they deserved, if not less than what they deserved. Because I think Fulham should have won the game, really. Mm. Um I think maybe Albion could have got a point at West Ham. I think they probably deserved a point at West Ham. Yeah, I agree there. When 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 they drew, when they when they lost, sorry. Um, but you can't tell me Man City didn't deserve to win. You can't tell me Fulham didn't deserve to win. You can't tell me Sheffield United didn't deserve to win. And you can't tell me Spurs didn't deserve to win. They all deserve to win those games. Um, and I just my one big thing I've got is having. I think there's lots of things. I think we we have to move forward in lots of different ways. I think loads of changes are needed. We'll, we'll probably get into them over, over the course of the podcast. But the big one for me is have more of the ball. Yeah. Be more positive in possession. Believe in yourself a little bit more. We have got some good players. Ainsley Maitland-Niles is a good player. Mateus Pereira is a good player. And by Dianga, looks like he's going to score goals. Like, let's have a... We're a Premier League team as well. I just think we need to have a bit more faith in our own ability and, and, and play more on the front front and keep saying it, but keep the ball because all we do is invite pressure and, and, and I don't see how Premier League sides won't exploit that. Mm. Sheffield United struggle for goals badly, but they still got two against us and, yeah. and, and they could have got more. This That's part a... of my run over anyway. All right, that that went on for ten minutes and nineteen seconds. Did it? Wow, yeah, it was good. I that got to, 
Uh, I could talk about loads of other things a while that are frustrating me. No, this is the thing though, because I'm going to kind of follow on from that. And to put one of them stats into context, Albion conceded 54 goals this season. No other team has conceded more than 40. So where's our clean sheet coming from? Exactly. There's not going to be one. When you're conceding, like you said, under Allardyce they're conceding 2.8 goals a game. Is that is that right? Yeah, something like that. That sounds so, about right, yeah. Let's be honest. You're going to round that up to three. You're conceding yeah, three oh, goals a game. Yeah. And, and I might times... be right in saying Albion have scored three goals on two occasions this season. One against Chelsea, we drew. Yeah. One against Wolves, we won. Three, two. Two, two of them were penalties. And two of them were penalties. And it's frustrating for me because I was watching the game yesterday and like you said, you can easily you know, get kind of turned around with your point of view by the by commentators. I wasn't in that position yesterday because I was obviously at the game. It was a very fortunate position for me. And the amount of times Albion, particularly second half, when they did try and open up in them last 10 minutes, they'd get the ball, say, uh, someone in defence or midfield. Sawyers, for example, would get the ball. And you'd have... Carlin Grant, who I actually don't think was that bad yesterday in in terms of the effort he put in, he would he would quickly look to bomb down that wing, and he'd have someone equally on the right hand side. It was Snodgrass a couple of times. He's not the quickest in the world, but he was trying to offer an option. And too many times they would stop, turn on the ball, and play backwards. And it's not just Sawyer's that was doing that. I don't mean to just put, pick out Sawyer's. It was multiple players doing it, where it's like we've got the ball at last. Let's keep hold of it. And it's I like winding down the clock almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I understand doing that if you've got a goal lead and you're hanging on. But not when you're 2-0 down. Not when you're level. You've, yeah. you've got to try and stretch teams. And Spurs, they came into the game and a couple of fans pointed out in the post-match video. They were kind of there for the taking in terms of... And I know Hurricane's back fit and that obviously gave them a boost. But they weren't playing well going into that game. They weren't playing well. No one can tell me that Spurs were going in in good form. I know Albion were in dreadful form as well. But neither team were in good form. You, and you've got Serge Aurier, right back, who's notorious for bombing on and is notorious for being a bit rash with his defending. Stretch him. See what he can do. You know, just dink a ball over the top and see if he fancies chasing down Carlin Grant or someone else. And there were a couple of times, and you saw it with Maitland-Niles, he wanted to make something happen. He'd get on the ball and he'd go, OK, let's, let's drive forward. And there were, he didn't have any options going with him. Diagne's the same. Like, he's, he's offering something. He's desperate to, you know, provide a goal or, or, or something. We saw that in, the de in, in his debut. And, I mean, he was a little bit unfortunate, but also maybe a little bit naive yesterday in, in getting caught offside technically twice. But the the header for which Larice saved in first half, he would have been deemed offside as well in the build-up, I think. But at least he's offering something, he's trying to be forward-thinking. There's too many players now who aren't trying to be forward-thinking and they're, they're, you can tell the confidence is gone, I think. Yeah, you can definitely, I agree, I agree. But I, want, I don't want, it's difficult for me. Look, like, I, I don't want this to be a Sam Allardyce bashing because... As strange as it sounds, like I do really like the bloke. In terms of press conferences and when I get to speak to him, 
He's a really sort of like intriguing guy. He's got a big personality, big, big, big personality. He's 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 very funny. Um, he, he, he sort of he's one of those people. That as soon as he walks into a room, all eyes go on him. If you like, he he, he, he's, he is a captivating character, mm. um, and he is quite like. I think he's quite jolly, really. He's quite like a and he and he, and he, and he loves a joke, and he, and you, you hit, like read things from players who have played for him, and they absolutely love playing for him. And team spirit is a big thing under him, and like it, like I do like him. I do like him as a person, but I just I, I I can't I genuinely can't see what he's trying to do. Like, well, I can see. Sorry, I can see what he's trying to do. I just can't see it working. He just um, doesn't have the players to play the way he wants to, does he? I don't think he's got the players. I don't think he's got the players to play the way he wants to. If I'm honest, um, I think that's the big thing they've gone from is the shift from Billich to Allardyce is too big a swing. Um, the, of those two styles of play, is just too too extreme. Jake Livermore said it in front of on whatever game was on BBC. I think it was the Fulham game. They had an interview with Jake Livermore before the game, and he yeah. tweeted it out, and he said that they've struggled to adapt from the transition from one manager to the next. And they absolutely have. There's no doubt about it. And like you say that the confidence thing is obviously massive. They, they're they used to getting beat now, aren't they? they? Let's be honest. They're used to getting the odd thumping as well. Mm-hmm. Is it a confidence thing? I think it is. But is it a tactical thing? Um, I think that is as well. Like I think... Yeah, they're not helping themselves with the way they set up. I don't think they're. I don't think they're being ambitious enough. I know. I know Allardyce wants to score goals. I know he wants to be more progressive, and I know he wants to sort of hit teams on the on the break. But I also think his style of play is very much about containment and and regrouping and getting into shape. And I I think that's why you see some of those backwards passes, some of those sideways passes, because players are more concerned about being in the right areas than they are about taking risks mm. and, and being caught out of possession. It's weird because we were saying weeks ago they look lost um, and they and they still look lost. Um, they just... I mean, this is an absolute battering of a podcast. There's no doubt about it. Everything I'm saying yeah. is absolutely battering. But the, but the truth is... I think the t- Slaven. This is a this is a, this is a this is a very strong thing to say, but I'm just going to say it. I think Slaven Bilic's Albion that played against Man City beat Sam Allardyce's Albion that played against Tottenham. That's my opinion. Yeah, that is my opinion. I, I think pro- I'd probably agree with you as well. I think we've gone backwards. I'm not saying I'm not, uh, that's not that's not me saying I think Slaven Bilic should have stayed. Although I have said before, I do think he should have stayed. I just don't think it's working. I just don't think it's working um, at this moment in time. Now, the the only caveat to that, and I'm not, and I'm not saying Allardyce should be moved on at all, because what I do think is he has got to be given the four games after Man United. Yeah. Which are Burn in 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 what the order escapes me. I might get it right. I might get it wrong. But it's Burnley, Brighton, Newcastle, Palace. It might be Burnley, Newcastle, Brighton. I can't remember. It starts with Burnley, it ends with Palace. Newcastle and Brighton are somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, Burnley, Brighton, Newcastle Palace, yeah. And this is it now because he deserves those games. He absolutely deserves those games. He deserves to play 
relegation rivals with his recruits. With Snodgrass, with Maitland-Niles, with Yossele, with Dianga. And we've said it all, like, basically our Albion season was always going to depend on those two games against Fulham and Sheffield United and this batch of four games coming up. Tottenham and Man United in the middle were always a distraction, really. That yeah. Allardyce caused some bonus points against um, like the big hitters, the top six sides. If you get them, it's a bonus point. <clears throat> now, it's all about those four games. They've had one opportunity, Albion. and they had a massive opportunity against Fulham and Sheffield United to, to, to dig themselves out of a bit of trouble and give themselves a, a, ma- a massive a much greater chance of staying up. They they blew it. They blew it. And they didn't mm. blow it because they were winning in both games and they didn't win them. They blew them because they didn't play well. That's yeah. how they blew it. They didn't deserve to win either game. Now, you go to Man United, what, what will be will be, win, lose or draw, what will be will be. Allardyce's whole Albion tenure has to be judged on the next four games. Pretty much. The, the last 10 games have been has been a disaster. Wolves aside, they've been a disaster. Um, there's still a faint chance they can get out of it. The only way they can get out of it is with a massive points haul in those four games. And it's in those four games, he gets to start, it's four new recruits, and maybe we will see a team that's capable of playing the Sam Allardyce way. Because the truth is, in the last 10 games... We haven't seen a team that's capable of playing the Sam Allardyce way, with with the exception of Wolves. But we were we did win two penalties, and with the exception of Liverpool away. But I'm sorry, as I've said a million times before, I think that was a fluke. Yeah, this is the issue you've got as well. So West Brom currently have 12 points; they're 19th. Uh, the Blades are a point behind them now. Fulham have uh, got 15 with a game in hand. The team outside the relegation zone, Burnley, they've got a game in hand and they're nine points clear. So theoretically, they could they could be as many as 12 points and you need 12 points just to catch Burnley. And you also need them to lose all their games. From them four games, the maximum you can get is 12 points. So yeah. just, just to match them and you're hoping that them, maybe Newcastle, potentially Wolves... Brighton have turned their form around, so you got I'm your maths too... wrong there, pal. We're eleven points behind Burnley. Oh, eleven points. Sorry. Yeah, we're eleven points behind Burnley. Yeah, eleven. And points. they've got a game in hand. Yeah. So if they win that, you're still behind them, even if you win all those games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah admittedly, I mean, you're in touching distance then, but it's just would... a, a massive ask. And there are teams now who were down there, the likes of Brighton, the likes of Crystal Palace. I mean, Southampton have lost, what, five on the bounce, but I can't see them dropping down into a relegation battle, really. No. The teams that Albion could potentially replace are getting fewer and fewer, which yeah, just adds to the issues. Those teams are capable of pulling off a, a result. <clears throat> Look at Newcastle the other day. This is a moment... Look, if by some miracle Albion win all four of those games, which... They're not, they're not going to win all four of them. But if, if, if they do, by some miracle, win all four of them, the belief, the momentum, the spirit they would have from that would carry them an awful long way, I think. Yeah, that's when you can pick up results when you're not particularly expecting it. Teams like Everton, teams like Arsenal, 
I mean, the whole mood of the club would be completely transformed. Even if they got, say, even if they went unbeaten through those games with like, I mean, two wins and two draws would be eight points. Yeah. But I think that would give every everyone a lift. Um, I really do. It's, I mean, honestly, I, I all season, and I mean all season, I have, I have thought something will happen to turn the tide. I, I'm not saying I always thought Albion would survive, but I always thought things would improve to such an extent that going into the final games, they would be in of a fighting chance. Mm. And so far, it just hasn't happened. Um, and after the Fulham game, I did... That was the first time... People probably think I'm mad, but it, after Fulham was the first time, I thought, yeah, we're down. Mm. Like, we're not going to do this. Um, because I always believed something somewhere would, would kick in. It, it, it has to be those games now. It has to be. Um, because like you said, we're so far adrift. And what worries me is, is I look at teams down and I think, who could, re- who could realistically go down? And you look at someone like Newcastle and you think, they're in a bit of turmoil, aren't they, really? No, they're not getting great results. Nobody wants Steve Bruce there. He's not letting speaking to the press or whatever. It's, it's, it's all a bit of a mess. They've been decimated by injuries as well. Been des- and you think, it's a recipe for disaster, really. Like, yeah. Um, at Newcastle. And then, and then I look at their team and I think, they've got Callum Wilson mm. and Ryan Fraser and... John Joe Shelby and Alan St. Maximum and they'd walk into our team, wouldn't they, those players? Yeah, yeah. And the thing, are we going to catch them when I do genuinely believe they've got players that would um, a lot better than what we've got? Um, I just don't know if we are. Um, But look, it's not like I, I genuinely, by nature, I'm an optimistic person. Like I'm not. I don't like. I don't. I hate talking like this. I, I am losing the faith. There's no doubt about it. But it's. It is all about those four games now. That's the only positive I can spin up, say is that we've just got to go through those four games and see where we are, mm. um, and hope beyond hope that the, the new players settle and make a big impact, and that Albion stop conceding so many goals. Um, that, that's the thing, isn't it? Because I think you, there were some positives to take from Spurs. It wasn't like the City game. It wasn't like other games where there's literally nothing to take from it. There was stuff to take. I think OK did well. I think when he came on, he looked like he offered something different and he really did screen that back four. I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles, if, you, if you're going to be a little bit more forward-thinking, I can think he could do really well. I think that 11, which we saw on in the last 10 minutes... I think was probably Albion's best eleven, barring Snodgrass for Phillips. And I, I know, I agree. And Maybe I know I'd, that, I'd have O'Shea at right back personally, but I actually, I, defensively, they didn't. That right side wasn't brilliant, but I do think Peltier. I think it would have been easy to just target him because he's barely played and he's come in and he's. But I didn't think he was dreadful, <laughs> which I know isn't a compliment. But I think a lot of people were kind of quick to target him. No, I don't think he was dreadful. And I think he, he was solid enough, wasn't he? He was, he was solid, not spectacular. Yeah. Um, 
the only thing I'd say about Peltier is he's been at the club is an awful long time and and barely played. Mm. I mean, how? Why is he the answer now? I think he. Why? Because your your other options are D- Darnell Furlong, who's obviously forward thinking, more of a wing back, defensively quite questionable, and then you've got Daroche, who's a youngster, and Peltier. To be fair, out of those three players, if you were asking for the most experienced, it would be him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I go. I, I think with Snodgrass in front of him, O'Shea is is the better option for me. But yeah, but but but, but I'm not gonna. I wouldn't moan about it. Like, if 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 a game that finished at Spurs starts the rest of the games, I wouldn't. I'd I'd, I'd be okay with that. The but, only issue you have is you're starting Ainsley Maitland-Niles on the right side of midfield and he's been brought in kind of saying you'll be starting in central midfield. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not, I mean, that's another absolute mess for me. It's another absolute mess. Um, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm sure not, he's I'm not, not that he doesn't strike me and I've seen him one game and I don't know him personally. I'm sure he will want to play. That's why he's gone out on loan in the first place. He wants to play. Admittedly, he wants to play in his, in his preferred position. But I don't think he'll sit there and say, I'm not playing. You're putting me on the right side of midfield. I'm not playing. No, but it's difficult to then not play in where, where you've told him where he's going to play and why he's chosen you over other suitors. Yeah. Um, I mean, from what I gather, this is just things I've heard sort of behind the scenes, is that he didn't even speak to Southampton. Um, or or the conversations he had with Southampton were very very brief because they wanted him to play at right back or and, and he did not want he didn't entertain it mm. he wanted to come for a team that would play him in central midfield so I like fact, that about him as well because he he obviously knows what he wants yeah but I'm not in the business of keeping Ainsley Maitland Niles in the Premier League or in the business of keeping West Brom in the Premier League so True. the fact that like he's I just don't think we should be making promises to people, to be honest. Like, we've got to play the best team. Look, I'm not against him. He's making a nice sign. He's, God, he's a damn good player. He's in the international. Like, let's play him in central midfield for the next couple of games and see how it works out. I'm willing to take that gamble, but I'm still uncomfortable with it. Um, if he's joining us, he's joining us to to make our team better, wherever that means he has to play. Um in my eyes, I don't think we should just be bending over backwards to players and saying, oh, yeah, you play wherever you want, son. Like, I just, I, I mean, it's another, it's another odd one for me. But, mm. but there's no doubt about it. He, he, isn't a, he is a very good footballer, isn't he? And we, yeah. need, we need very good footballers. Um, he said something interesting, actually, Dice after the end of the game. He was basically like... Um, so we'll get onto the Pereira stuff, but the, the, he said the reason why Pereira didn't start was because he wanted to play a four-three-three um, formation. Well, look, I, I mean, this is just an absolute Allardyce bashing podcast, but you were there, mate. I wasn't. Was that four-three-three? Yeah, it looked like four-five-one to me, mate. It was four-five-one I mean, all day long. It's very easy to shift between a four-three-three and a four-five-one. Admittedly, wait, if you're defending, you can say which shifts to a four-five-one. But I mean, they're defending the majority of the game, so it's, for me, you're playing four five one more than you're playing four three three. If I, if he hadn't said that afterwards, I would I generally wouldn't have known we were playing four three three, and that's. But I wasn't there. 
Um, I wasn't in the stand, so I take that on board. But that's but it was four five one. Um, he said that he's basically tried every system now. Four, he's played three at the back, five at the back, four three three, four five one, four four one one, and he basically said that his system will now be dependent on the new players and how they perform. So mm. he was saying essentially like he is going to pick, he was basically saying he is going to pick a formation to get his 11 best players on the pitch, I think is what he was saying. Um, which it, I don't think is a bad tactic um, at, at, at this stage. Um, so I think we might see, yeah, Maitland-Niles Central with Pereira. Um, I don't know what system it would be, really. Snodgrass out wide. I mean, Gallagher's got to play for me. Would four five would four five one work? Well, four 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 one one. No, I don't. I don't even know how you do it, mate. How do you do I it? I think this is the issue you've got because you're going to have to leave someone out. Because for me, if if you're playing the four at the back, I think okay, he's got a start. I think he uh, genuinely. I think I saw enough from him to say he's going to be more of a screener than Livermore or Sawyer's. And then, oh god, yeah. Like, like, okay, has to play. Yeah, and then for me, I'd have Gallagher and Ainsley Maitland-Niles in midfield, and then it's like, where's the room for Mateus? If not, if you're not playing him on the right, if you've got Snoddy on, because I'm not playing Snoddy on the left. He's he's come out as I said before, he doesn't enjoy playing off the left. So you either have Snoddy or Pereira on the right, Grant on the left, and Diania at front. It means you're leaving out one of Snodgrass or Pereira. Unless you put Pereira in the middle, we'll get instead of Gallagher. Hey, do you want to drop Gallagher though? I think he he, he was one. Of, he he certainly pressed the opposition more than anyone else yesterday. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. that, that to me, Pereira has to play. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you because he came on and he changed the game in in terms of without scoring a goal. They looked way better. He came on and instantly Albion looked better, more threatening. We're not. I think Conor Gallagher is a fabulous player, fabulous, and I think his future is absolutely massive. Could do anything. Could play for Chelsea. Could play for England. I mean, he was only twenty-one the other day. I mean, he's going to be out of a player. But we're not dropping the Gallagher of the Billet era. True. We're, we're dropping the Gallagher of the of the Allardyce era, and he's not been as effective. And you can throw him on at sixty minutes, and he does offer legs for that midfield, I guess. Um, I mean, I just never ever thought I'd be saying it, like earlier in the season that I'd be I'd be putting him on the bench. But I think if we're playing four at the back, I'd have to go four five one or four four one one and go, yeah, Snodgrass, okay. Maitland Niles, Robinson or Grant, Pereira in the hole and Dianger up front. Um Yeah, like you could almost go like a four two three one, Maitland Niles kind of going box to box, okay holding. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you have Pereira in behind Yanye and then Snodgrass on one side and Grant or Diangana if he's ever back fit on the yeah, left. Yeah, I like that to be fair. Yeah. I think that's the way you got to go. But I mean, like I said, you, you've got to leave someone on the bench and it looks like Gallagher would be the... Oh man. And you've got to remember as well, Gallagher's a great player and when he's when he's playing well, but he's not an Albion player. And I know Maitland-Niles isn't, but I think Maitland-Niles is more accomplished right now than, than Gallagher is. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... 
you can't, like you said, you can't play everyone, can you? Exactly. You can't play everyone. Exactly. Um, and this is a, it's a, it's a recruitment issue, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, it's like we've got Gallagher, Robinson, and Grant. No, sorry, uh, Dean Garner, Robinson, and Grant, who perhaps all their best positions are on the left wing. Yeah. Um, if only one of them was a right back. Um, <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're, they're all. I mean, look. I don't know how much Robinson's worth, really, but eight million quid, maybe. I don't know. And then you've got Carl and Grant arrive for sixteen million quid, and you've got Dean Garner could be eighteen million quid, and they all play left wing. Yeah. Um, and then we've now we've got too many players in in the, in the middle of the park. It's all a bit bit of a mess, isn't it? It is. Um... Let's quickly cover that team selection. Uh, Pereira didn't start. What what did you make of it? I mean, he had four four and five going into the game. Yeah, five and six overall. I just think it's, I just think it was a shocking decision. Um, I just think it was the wrong decision. Um, simple as that. I don't. I was talking amongst sort of the other other local reporters and stuff, and we were saying he. I think Pereira is the only player that's improved under Allardyce. Yeah. Um he's the only one who's 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 got better um since Billich left. Um and he, and he was dropped. Um and I just don't I don't understand it. I don't I think he's our best player. I think he's our most creative player. He's proven he's a goal, he's a he can score goals in the Premier League. Um and 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 what really really sort of frustrated me about it was that his sort of work rate was questioned again. Um, he didn't think Allardyce said that it was a, it was a system choice, and he didn't think he could do it. And I'm not I'm not saying like he's the greatest worker in the world. I'm not saying he's like he's not because he isn't. Um, he's not and, the worst though. But he's not the worst. That's the uh, and and for a Brazilian for a, like Brazilian number ten. Like I'm not like trying to be stereotypical but like number 10 you look at like James Rodriguez I know he's he's Colombian isn't he is that right yeah yeah, yeah yeah I mean he didn't he barely moves does he Rodriguez I mean like oh not a chance he's tracking back so I think when you Pereira does work hard he is committed he does work hard he does track back maybe he needs to, he, look, he needs to track back more he does but he does work hard um I just don't see how you could leave him out for that reason when you're picking other players, to be honest, um, it, <laughs> what, it is. It was just a breathtaking decision, wasn't it? Sometimes, like, look, and Sam Allardyce knows more about football than I do. He also knows more about football than any supporter listening to this podcast. Mm. That that's just the reality of life. If you, if you don't believe that, I'm sorry, you're mistaken. He does know more than us. He does, but not all those people can't be wrong. He is he is one human being. In football, everything is about the game. You think about that game from the moment the previous game finishes. You report for training on Monday, and all week everything is focused on that game. It's you're obsessed with it. So one person or a group of coaches that they they can definitely definitely be guilty of overthinking it, and I'm sorry he overthought it because 
he has to play. And all that reaction on social media, all those people cannot be wrong. Mm. Supporters know an awful lot about football. They, they might not know as much as Sam Allardyce, but they know an awful lot. And they know when a team selection is wrong. And I knew that team selection was wrong. They knew that team selection was wrong. It yeah. was bizarre. It was. Um, let's get on to questions because we're already 44 minutes in. <laughs> right, we're rattling off in 20 minutes. I mean, we can try. Um, first one comes from Andrew Turton. Big Sam said he's tried... Yeah, Andrew Turton. Yeah, a former of formerly expressing star man Andy Turton. Big Sam has said he's tried tons of formations and systems to stem the flow of goals with no luck. Is there any system or lineup that you think he hasn't tried yet apart from hiring a double-decker bus? Well, exactly that. We were talking about it. He has tried everything. Um, is that a good thing? I don't necessarily think it is. Um, for a team that he, he wants to wants to like build based on stability, really. I think they need a set formation, they need to stick to it, and they all need to know what their jobs are. But the one thing is, we have now got a defensive midfielder, haven't yeah. we? That yeah. is the one thing. Um, and Allardyce has talked about this a few times in pressers in, in the lead-up to games. He really, he really believes the back four, particularly the two centre-backs, haven't got the protection they deserve. He really believes that. He, he, but I know I'm a big Shemi Ajayi fan, but there's no doubt he has made mistakes this season. Mm. Um, he looks a little bit short of confidence to me at the minute. Um, but they have made mistakes, those players, but Allardyce believes an awful lot of the goals that Albion have conceded should have been stopped at the source, not, at, not when the ball's already in the box. Um, and that's the only... That's a lot. A lot is on Yokozlu uh, as a rival. Um, the way Allardyce talks, uh, if he is a very good defensive midfielder, which we all hope he is, the way Allardyce talks, a lot could be solved with a very good defensive midfielder. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I'm happy with the. Like we, like we were just saying, I'm happy with the four two three one, the four four one one. I mean, they're basically the same formation, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm happy with that with an actual holding midfielder, um, and we'll see how see how it goes from there. Um, yeah, I agree with you there, Leo Watkins. Is there anything to gain in writing this season off and preparing for next year now, or would it be embarrassing for players, managers, fans? For me, you you can't write a season off at this point. No, it's like, no, no, you can't write off, and there's. You should never write off, really. I mean, while it's still possible to survive, you shouldn't be writing off. I think if we if we come through those four games we keep talking about with say two points or less, then I think. You've got some decisions to make then. I've got some decisions to make then, um, but hopefully we won't. But. Yeah, it's too early. It's definitely too early to write off. As much as this has been a very, very critical podcast, Sam Allardyce is the master at getting teams out of this situation. Like, he is Mr. Keep You in the Premier League. Yeah. He has done it everywhere he has been. The Sunderland survival job was miraculous. The Palace one was. I can't really remember the Bolton one, but Bolton are, let's be honest, they are a small club in Premier League terms. Yeah. Getting them there and keeping them there was getting them into Europe. I mean, my God, he got Bolton into Europe. Uh, he he is a very 
he is a man he is a very good manager and he is a manager who's enjoyed an awful lot of success he is a manager who at the time was rightly appointed england manager um so as much as these 10 games at albion have not gone well he is he is a good manager we just but those four games are everything yeah let's not forget he hasn't had the players to work with now he's got the players that he's had a chance to bring in so now you can kind of level that at him because previously he was working with a recruited squad who obviously weren't an analyzed squad now he's he's had a chance to bring in players so now it kind of rests on his shoulders doesn't it um mark hale billich was reluctantly sacked because of results big sam's results are worse no lessons were learned after the last relegation the club seems rudderless where does it go from here um I wouldn't say no lessons were learned. Um, you've got to remember Albion, I don't know what the stat is, I don't know how many years it's been, um, it's that and the other, but they've never finished below fourth in the championship, have they, for X amount of years? Yeah. I, I know an awful lot of them were in the Premier League. Um, but, <laughs> see, this is a, another statement that is is strong, but people might ne- not necessarily like. Albion aren't atrociously run. They're not. And, and I, I know people want to think they are. I know, look, we've all got issues with Gouch and Lai and his lack of investment. But if Albion go down, I truly believe they'll be strong in the championship next year. They, they have only finished 4-4 below in the last 20 years or whatever in English football second. That is, that is remarkable. There's been, you look at the way teams have gone down and struggled. I look at Stoke and everything they've been through and, and, and there's plenty of examples of teams like that. And even like teams dropping again, like Wolves, for example, Sheffield United. There's, it's, it's very, very easy when you're losing games, especially when you're losing week after week after week after week to catastrophize everything mm. and, to, and, and, to, and to forget all the good things. Um, and I know there's a lot of people who won't agree with this, but they're not, they're not badly run. They they desperately desperately need new owners. Desperately need new owners with some ambition, with some investment. But the the board, the people behind the scenes, they're not they're not. It's not it's not badly run. They're not. It's not a badly run club. I truly believe they'll be competitive next year in the championship if they go down. Um, it's yeah. It's not. It, it's a it's a remarkable record they've got over the last twenty years. People have to remember that. Mm. Um, yeah, they they do. They do have to remember that. Yeah, a couple from Hamish. Uh, do questions need to be asked about Luke Dowling? He's responsible for the recruitment of a majority of this side and they're just not good enough. Feels like he has complete free reign at the top of the club. Also, if it was up to you, who would be on the touchline for the first game next season? I'm assuming he means should Albion go down. For me, I mean, people will criticise Luke Dowling. I think a lot of the players he's been tasked with getting by the managers of the club. I don't think he's gone out and picked players left, right and centre for the for the club to deal with. I think he's, when he was with Bilic, Bilic said, I want this player, this player, this player, this player. And he kind of got him. Yeah, I think from what I understand of Dowling's role, and it is only an understanding, it's to get the a list of players from the manager that they want, do everything they can to get them. But if he can't get them, have 
the knowledge of a player who's very, very similar, who he can then get, mm. if you understand what I mean. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, he does try to get the players the manager wants. Um, and we saw that, obviously, with the summer recruitment. Bilic wanted Dean Garner, Bilic wanted Robinson, Bilic wanted Krivinovic, Bilic wanted Carlin Grant, um, Bilic wanted Ivanovic. All those players were brought in for Bilic. Um, and it looks similar this time round. Um, I think a lot of these players are Sam Allardyce targets. Yeah. Um, and if they're not, they're similar to what he wanted. Um, so, yeah. Look, Dowling, of course, he is, 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 comes in for scrutiny. Like, there's, uh, like we said at the start of this podcast, I think that the, the, the balance of the squad isn't right, is it? No. Um, I, I'm a huge Colour Robinson fan. I really, really am. I really like him. I think he's such a well-rounded footballer. But I've got to be honest, I, I do think he's a left winger. I'd love to see him go on and score 20 goals as a striker, 15 goals. I would love to see him do that. But I do think he's a left winger, if I'm honest. Mm. I do think Dean Garner's a left winger, but Dean Garner could play on the right. I think I don't think you had to do a lot of digging, really, to find out that Carlin Grant was a winger. But that said, I think Bilic saw him as a striker, and that was Dowling delivering Bilic the striker he wanted. So it's a combination of, a combination of Bilic and Dowling, definitely, that I think has got some of the recruitment wrong. Um, but you have to always caveat it with the budget. And look, Albion committed to spending £46 million in the summer, £47 million, which is a lot of money. Um, but they didn't have a lot of that money up front. They had to sort of do deals. And I think Dowling deserves credit for the way he got some play, like the Carlin Grant one on higher purchase. I just don't think anyone else would have got that deal done. Mm. Um, so he does well to convince clubs and and to sell players to him with the funds he has available. But yeah, I do, I do think um, that, that they look like they've recruited a championship squad. Yeah. And that is on Luke. That's on Slavin. And it's on Ian Pearce, like mystery man, Ian Pearce, who is Albion's recruitment manager. I said it on the last podcast, Luke Dowling is technical director, basically oversees absolutely everything at the football club. The recruitment manager is Ian Pearce, former West Ham defender Ian Pearce. Played at Blackburn as well, I think. I mm. mean, where is he? I've never seen him. Um, I've asked for an interview with him. Apparently he doesn't do press. Oh, right. So, that it's not just Luke Dowling. Um, it's not. Look, Slavin, as much as everyone knows I love Slavin, um, but look, he got a lot of the recruitment wrong, didn't he? Slavin mm. did. Ivanovic has been a disaster. Got it wrong. I mean, it wasn't even the squad yesterday. Um, no, I do genu- genuinely think Carlin Grant is a good player and will score goals for us if we go down. I do. I do think that. Um, but at this moment in time, it hasn't, it hasn't worked, I wouldn't say. Um, yeah, so combine... I don't, I don't, let's say this. I don't think anyone... Who has been in? Who has a major say in Albion's recruitment over the last six months? Can be thrilled with their work, really. Um, mm. But let's hope Yokuzlu, Maitland Niles, Dianga do a lot better. 
because they're going to have to, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, Simeon Kerr, do you think Guachan Lai would sell if slash when we are relegated, or would he hold on hoping that parachute payments would deliver promotion and a better environment in which to sell? That's an interesting question. I think Guachan Lai would sell tomorrow if we're in the Premier League, the Championship, League One or League Two. I don't think it matters what league we're in. Um, I think he would sell the day he gets anywhere near um, what he wants for the club. Um, Will that differ, though, if they're in the Championship or the Premier League? Does his, does his valuation of the club change if they go down? I don't think his valuation changes, no. Which means think, he, won't, he won't sell it in the Championship, then? You wouldn't have thought so, no. Um, but I don't see how you'd sell it in the, Premier, in the Premier League when you're 11 points from safety, either. Yeah, um, like from, um, like, there's been a massive question mark as to whether Albion will stay at this season from the moment a ball's been kicked. Obviously now, I think everyone expects them to go down. Um, but the issue is, he he will not. He does not. He overpaid. That's the truth of it. He overpaid for Albion. He yeah. paid. Depending on what you read. He paid either 180 million or 200 million for the club. Um, that is, what did? Can you remember what Villa went for? Uh, something like 60 million, something 70, 60, 70, 80, something like that. Yeah, there were uh, other factors though, given that the amount of you know issues they were having financially. Like, he got to the point where Jar pretty much any offer that came in, he's going to have to accept because he couldn't keep the club running. Yeah, yeah, you, no, you're right, but but. But we are, but you're right. And Wolves went for less than Villa. So, but we aren't going to. The truth is, the reality is, we aren't going to get an. It's highly, highly unlikely that there is an Albion fan out there who is rich enough, bold enough to buy the club. The chances are, whoever is the next owner is going to be a businessman, whether, he, whether he's English, American, Chinese, who wants to invest in a football club. And, and they're going to have no true emotional ties with Albion. Just like Villa's owners haven't got truly got any emotional ties with them, just like yeah. Foson haven't truly got any emotional ties with Wolves. They're just going to want to get into football. Mm. So if they can find a Villa for 70 million or an Albion for 180, they're going to buy Villa. Yeah. Because you'd be absolutely mental not to. So that that's the market Albion are in. They're basically competing with any other club um, who either in the Premier League or the Championship, I'd say. Like even like your Forests and your Derbys, I'd say you're competing with them because to be be sold as well. And look, Lie overpaid. He absolutely overpaid. Jeremy Peace did an amazing deal for himself um, to get what he did for the club, um, and now Lie either can't or won't sell for significantly less than what he paid for it, which is which is absolutely understandable. Um if 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 all of if everyone listening to this podcast went out and spent ten grand on a car tomorrow, we wouldn't sell it like a year later for for four grand, would we? Like it's not it's just not mm. gonna happen. So this is the issue. How are we gonna find someone who can give Lie what he wants? I mean I just don't know what, what the answer is. Yeah, it's um, a troubling one. Like the, with Tony Jarre at Villa, he was essentially run out, wasn't he? His hand was forced. 
His hand was forced. Um, it's either that or or you literally it gets to a point where the club goes out of business. Um, so, so you're either losing it for nothing or losing it for however much you managed to lose it for. And the one thing you have to say about Lai is that he he leaves Albion completely alone, which is a a good thing. Like he he is not taking money out of the club. Like he's he, they are they're completely own entity. I mean he's showing absolutely no ambition with it. He's showing no interest in it, and we're all desperate for some owner investment. But he isn't stripping it of assets, if you know what I mean. He's just letting it run itself. Um, and Albion on their own are a, a top championship club, aren't they? Really? Yeah. Um, but like everyone, they need a bit of help to go to that next level. Um, which is what Villa have got, and that's the only that's the only reason. Don't get me wrong; I absolutely love Dean Smith as a manager, um, but the big reason why Villa are where they are is because of cash. Yeah, the money spent. The money spent. Um, that's the only difference between Villa and Albion at this moment in time. Um, so, yeah, he'll sell, but the it issue is the right offer. But yeah, somehow we've got to find someone with the money to buy it. Yeah, I don't think it's helped by the fact that you've got clubs like Newcastle are up for sale as well. Because no disrespect to Albion, people will look at Newcastle. It's a bigger club. It's got a bigger ground. It's got uh, seemingly a bigger fan fan base as well, and it's it's got a a bigger recent history. So if if the prices are about the same, I think people would stick with would stump for Newcastle. Um, but obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of the prices and stuff like that. Um, Last question from Mike Griffiths. Has Sam lost the dressing room? His approach to the whole situation seems wrong to me. Lambasting players in the press, laughing with journalists. Um, the players won't listen and they will keep they will keep not listening until he's gone. Um, I don't think this is helped by stuff that he kind of does on the sideline. And I know it's he's, he's a jolly guy and he, he wants to kind of have a laugh and I'm all for that. But if your team's 19th in the Premier League, losing 2-0 at Spurs... You don't need your manager running out pretending to take throw-ins for me. It just doesn't come across well on for the fans. Yeah, it was odd. Um, it was odd. Uh, I mean, I do like, like it's interesting the way that way the, the question was asked. Really, like he, he has a laugh with journalists, and, and he does like he does have a laugh with journalists, and he does enjoy sort of the lighter side of life, like things like that throw-in. And he was asked about that throw-in. Um, See, it's interesting, like, how journalists do their jobs. Like, I didn't even... As soon as he was asked about the throw-in, why did the throw-in, blah, 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 blah. I didn't even tap up the quotes Yeah. for the story. I was just like... It's more of a tabloid story, isn't it? I, I couldn't care less about Sam Allardyce taking a throw-in. Like, does... Do Albion fans really want to read this? Um, I was like, for me, it's, there's just more important things to talk about. Um, but he was asked um, by, another, by another journalist. And... Yeah, he made a very valid point in the sense that like it's miserable at Albion at the minute. Let's be honest, it is. Um, he's he's only trying to like lift spirits a little bit, which I think he is actually very good at. Um, and he feels quite fortunate to be in football. He said he said like there's there's, there's a pandemic going on, like we're we're in lockdown again. People can't go out. Um, everyone's struggling, aren't they? In, in this lockdown, everyone's mm. had enough of it. Everyone's just just miserable and but footballers 
and, and managers and coaches and they get to go to training every day and they get to play football and they get to go to games and, and compete in games and they've got it a hell of a lot better than everyone else has really. Mm. Um, and he was just sort of, that was a point he was trying to make really. He was like, as bad as it is, I want the players to know that we're very fortunate to be in this position and to enjoy it more because I'm not saying they've got it easy, but, but, but they've got it a lot easier than a lot of people, haven't they? Yeah. Um, so I think, and when he said it like that, you saw like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And it was quite humble of him and, and, and he has got a good human side to him, Sam. Like he, like, He's obviously got his reputation as Big Sam and a bit like, I mean, you've got to be careful what you say. Like, it's like a bit of a wheeler dealer. I remember when Harry Redknapp was asked if he was a wheeler dealer in an interview, he went, he went sort of mad. Oh, yeah, um, he didn't like that at all, did he? But that is sort of, I'm not saying that's what Sam is, but he has got that sort of reputation. Um, but he's like, in presses, he is really nice. He is like really jolly. He does have a laugh. He is very sort of like, he's, he's very concerned about COVID. Um, talks about his wife an awful lot. Brings mm. up his wife an awful lot. Um, he's really concerned about passing on COVID to her because obviously it's rife in football. People are still yeah. picking it up despite all the measures they're putting in. And when you hear him talk about these things, he talks about his grandkids and stuff. And you think he is—he is a decent bloke. He is a decent bloke. Um, he is very likable. Um, I always used to say I don't want to use the word charismatic because I always used to say Billich was charismatic. Um, but he is charismatic. It's a different way to Billich. Um, I don't. I don't. I, haven't, I don't know how to describe Allardyce's charisma to Billich's charisma, really. But it's almost jovial, isn't it? With, with yeah. Big Sam. But um, whereas Billich had more of a charm about him, I think. Yeah, but he is a good. He does seem like a good bloke. But I can't even remember what what we're talking about. Now. I've gone off on a massive tangent there. Basically, of the of the players, kind of of have they gone off him? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I might. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know is the honest answer. Um, look, I don't think Pereira was happy not to not play against Spurs. I don't think there's been wild Twitter speculation about him storming off and all this that, and the other. And I don't. Look, I just about think, Dean Garner as well, isn't it? Yeah, I just. I think Dean Garner's struggling to get over an injury and is a bit, a bit tentative with it. I think that's all that is. I think Pereira wasn't happy not to be playing. Quite rightly, I don't think he. I don't think I think the storming off and all that is a step too far, but he wasn't happy. And, and, he might have been uh, in a huff, but you'd expect that. But you'd expect that, yeah, especially with the form he's been in. He wants to play, doesn't he? He wants to show what he can do week in, week out. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I honestly don't know. I, I do wonder. Do the players think we're we're better than this? We're better than just digging in, sitting back. They got out the. They got out of the championship by playing some wonderful football last season. Um, but I do think they'll like Sam. I do mm. think they'll like him. And I do think that I, I do think that the kind of plan for them, he always says that you can never question their work rate or attitude of the group. He's, he, he says he's never questions that with them. He truly thinks they're giving their all. I'd agree with him yesterday as well. I don't think there was a lack of effort. Yeah, there's no lack of effort with them. Um, they're just, they're either, as so far, it's either a case of they're not good enough or they're not good enough to play 
the way Sam Allardyce wants them to. Mm. Not capable of playing the way Sam Allardyce wants them to. I think there are players who might question the the tactics they're being given, but they're not. They'll question it, but they'll still do their utmost to execute it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you've got to remember they all massively benefit from staying in the Premier League. Yeah, massively. Basically, no one wants no no one, including Sam Allardyce, wants wants Albion to to get relegated. They their wages will be halved if they go down. If you said to me now, you can write five stories every week until May, every day for a week until May, or you can write, but if you do, your wages will be halved, or you can write 10, I'll write 10. Yeah. I'm not having my wages halved. And they got, you got to remember that they do, they do want to stay up like they do. And he is the master at keeping teams up. You have to, he does have an authority about him. When Sam Allardyce speaks, you do have to listen. Like he does know this situation better than anyone else. Um, but it just hasn't worked, has it so far? No, I think I've, I think fans are just desperate to see a result, and when when things are going bad, it's easy to to obviously say some things, and you know you might not agree with it, and then you never know. Say say Albion play United, and and we see that eleven that we kind of discussed earlier, and they put in a good performance, even if. They might not have to win the game. They might not even have to draw if if they were unlucky in defeat because it's. I know results are really important. They are paramount now. But against Manchester United, you're not really expecting anything. If you put in a good performance and if they did get a point, then obviously it could it could lift the confidence. And then, like you said, you've got them four massive games, and that's that's going to be everything that the season's based on now. Those four games. If 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 you come out of them, you know, eight points, like you said, it it will lift the side and. You just don't know what happens. We've seen sides before turn it around. You know, you only need to look at the likes of Leicester, but the season before they went on to win the Premier League. And I'm not saying Albion are going to be doing that, but I mean they look dead and buried. And we've yeah. seen Albion do it before under different management, of course. But anything, it, strange things can happen. Strange things can happen. Uh, let's talk about Manchester United quickly before we finish. Then you said it's a it's bonus points. It is a bit of a free hit. Although I do think the term free hit when it's getting to this point of the season, which Albion are in, is is you can never have a completely free hit. Yeah, I got it's it's the last free hit. Yeah, um, it's probably the last free hit. It's, if I'm being honest, yeah. <laughs> the most important thing is to get the the new players embedded in. So the big plus from Tottenham for me, I don't think there was a lot of positives from Tottenham, I've got to be honest. Mm. People have said that, well, I think like, I don't think there were. The, 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 the big positive, the one big positive for me was Dianga did, did, look, did look dangerous. Yeah. If he times his run, a couple of runs a little bit better, he, has, he gets a couple of goals, which would have been a, which would have been a miracle, really. Um, but he does, look, he does look a real threat. So... We finally got the holding midfielder we've been crying out for. Um, we've got an England international, England Ashley, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. So for me, the most important thing from Man United is to get a team settled, understanding of their roles and responsibilities, and those three players embedded into that side, knowing their teammates, learning as much about them as they possibly can, learning their roles. And 
if they do that, whether we come away with a win, lose or a draw, the most important thing for me is that on February 20, we are as good as we possibly can be for that Burnley game. Yeah. Um, that's key for me because you hate saying it, but the chances are Man you can Allardyce will say this as well. Like the, we could play brilliantly against Man United and still lose, mm. just because they obviously are a lot better than us. They have much better players than we do. So if they click, if Bruno Fernandes and Pogba and Rashford and Martial and Cavani and whoever else turn it on, the chances are they will win the game. If we play, if we play well and we're unlucky to lose, fair enough. If we get a draw, fantastic. If we get a win, amazing. But the most important thing for me is, well, as soon as that whistle goes against Burnley, we are on it. Yeah, I think they're benefited by the fact that. It's not as tightly packed a schedule now. You've got a week between, you know, they play United Sunday and then they've got until Saturday to play Burnley and then they've got until, well, the next weekend to play Brighton. They've got time on the training pitch in between these games now. Yeah, yeah, which is important. It's absolutely, it's massively important. Um, it's what Allardyce has always wanted. It's what he's always said he wanted this time. Um to tighten them up and and again it all comes it all comes down to Yokozulu really I mean how he can how he can embed him in and if Allardyce is right and if Albin's big problem is is almost the assist for the goal rather than the goal if you like if if cutting out that supply line is is, is what their real issue is if, if they can bed that down with him get him building a relationship with those defenders with his fellow midfielders um, because you know what you're going to get from everyone else. You know Snodgrass is going to work hard. You know Carl and Grant put in a real shift the other day. Maitland, Niles and Pereira have just got to be left to go, really, haven't they? Yeah. I know Maitland, Niles is going to be box-to-box, and he will be obviously very important in a box-to-box role, but you're looking to them for... If you're playing 4-5-1, you're looking for them to provide creativity and support your front. I know you're asking the same from your wingers as well, but... Yeah, it's just bedding them in, bed them in, try and get them to jowl, try and get them to click. Um, and yeah, all about those four games, as we keep saying. It's going to be interesting for Maitland-Niles, because obviously he's never played in a team like this. As bad as Arsenal have been, yeah, they've, ne- they've never been in this form, no. playing this style, have they? Um, so it's going to take a lot getting used to for him as well um so yeah remember they should have got a result at old trafford yeah yeah that seems like forever ago that does yeah it really does um okay we will see we will see um manchester united to come to the hawthorns this weekend let's hope that albion um you can put in a decent performance. Joe, unless you've got anything else to add, mate, we've, we've finished. No, no, it's been a long time. I wish we'd returned more upbeat. Hopefully we'll be more upbeat next week. I hope so, mate. I think it was therapeutic. Do you think? I think, like, having listened to it, I've, I've, 
because I must admit myself, like after that Spurs game, my belief was down. After listening to our, to 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 you talk about it and us and kind of like di- dissecting it, I, I think there's still a little bit of belief there inside me now. Oh, you're such a baggy. Oh, I can believe in a team I don't support, mate. <laughs> of course you can. Yeah. Good um, to be back, though, pal. Good to be back. Good to have you back. Good to have you back. Maybe one day we'll be at a game together. Um, I've applied for Burnley. We'll see. Have you? We'll see. Um, all right, from me, from Joe, a fond farewell. Good point.